Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is GRE Bytes. My name is Davis. I'm an educator with over 10 years of experience. And I'm Orion, the founder of Stellar GRE. We're here to bring you your weekly bite-sized episode on GRE prep and grad school admissions. Check out our top-rated GRE self-study program at StellarGRE.com. Use the code BITES for 10% off all memberships. All right. So uh, let's just jump right in. I've heard you say before, uh, you know, baseball is a game of inches, they say, but the GRE is a game of seconds. What, what do you mean? What is that? Well, I don't know if anyone says that, but I say that. So uh, they say? What, the baseball about a game of inches? Oh, they absolutely say that, yeah, yes. People, that's what you've said. I've heard you say like, well, people say that baseball is a game of inches, and then you personally say, ah, yes. In a similar manner, the GRE is a game of seconds. What do you mean? That makes sense to me because I don't. I don't think I've heard anybody else say that. But I think it. I think it is true um, with respect to the GRE because what makes it a big difference in, let's say, baseball, uh, is being able to get to the base a fraction of a second earlier than the ball to be able to extend through the swing, you know, a fraction of an inch further to make the ball travel just a little bit faster. That's what actually separates the folks who are in the majors from the folks who are in the AAA minor leagues who are often extremely talented themselves. The person who's in the majors may be batting 250. The person in the minor might be batting 248. So the difference between good and great performance in the sport of baseball comes down to increasingly minute uh, improvements in performance. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not a baseball aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know what batting 250 means. <laughs> oh, no. But I understand that differentiation between you know, minors and majors. Yeah. Okay, good. Hopefully I didn't alienate my, uh, my listener base with my nerdiness. Um, so with respect to the GRE, I say that it's a game of seconds because the most difficult aspect of this test is the time limit. And being able to shave five, 10 seconds off of your standard approach to a problem can be the difference between a good score and a truly great score. And this is why in the Stellar system, we work on how to approach problems more than the factual information that you need to solve them. Obviously, that's provided. Obviously, that is necessary. But, it's, but top performance in the GRE is really a process. It's an approach as opposed to, it's a how as opposed to a what, a just knowing the appropriate formulas or vocabulary words. Right. In other words, you've seen and I've seen really intelligent students with an incredible breadth and depth of a knowledge base, but put them in a timed situation or put them in a dynamic test uh, like the GRE. And uh, given all the knowledge in the world, if they don't know how to perform under that time constraint, they won't achieve the target score. And I, I'm trying to, I'm picking up on the metaphor here. For example, like you've got the baseball diamond and the difference between you know, someone running around the diamond and getting a, you know, a double, a double or a home run, like, uh, yeah, double or triple or whatever, making at home, they could be, you know, just a, an inch or two away from that base by the time the, the ball gets there. And it, that's the difference. Same with hitting a home run, you know, a couple of inches is the difference between the outfielder catching, 
catching it as a you know pop fly and being out versus a home run and hitting it out of the park. So that makes sense. And with the GRE, uh, I'm I'm taking your meaning to mean that without an awareness of the time aspect, um, uh, even if you hit every single time, even if you're in the minor leagues and you're hitting whatever the super high batting average is, if you're always hitting it six inches shy of out of the park and you can't beat that, then you're going to get out a lot of times. That's exactly right, man. That That's it. Maybe you do like baseball. This is cool. We should go to a game sometime. That'll be fun. Um, that That's correct. So that's why in the seller system, we approach, we have a very a specific second by second approach to problems. And I don't think this exists in any other test prep system. Let's break it down. For example, on a quantitative question, that first second upon encountering a problem, we decide whether we're going to do it right then and there, or we're going to skip it. It only takes one second to figure that out because that decision is based on immediately recognizable visual criteria. If we decide to do a problem in that second second, we look at the answer choices and we examine them for their structure diagnosis. This means we try to understand whether it's real numbers or variables and it's a choose one or a choose many situation. That creates four different combinations of structure diagnoses. Real numbers choose one, real numbers choose many, variables choose one, and variables choose many. And this should take about two seconds to figure out because again, it's based on more or less immediately recognizable visual criteria. And then we can then associate that to a generalizable strategy associated with one of those four structure diagnoses. All of that should take three seconds. Now we're four seconds into the problem. Second five, we're going to take a soft scan at the content, the body of the actual question. We don't want to go in with a laser beam focus already because sometimes that uh, means that we'll miss the forest for the trees, as it were. So we take a soft scan and see what jumps out at us. We're looking for geometric figures. That's a real obvious one. Do you see triangles or circles? There you go. That's the type of problem you're dealing with. Um, do you see any kind of strange mathematical notation like f of x or exponents? So those are immediately recognizable things. Or are there words or phrases that are consistently associated with certain diagnostic categories like the word probability or the word ratio or the words arithmetic mean? So once you understand that there's only 50 different types of quantitative problems and you understand the diagnostic signs associated with each of them, you'll be scanning for those things and they'll pop out at you because you can kind of know what you're looking for. And so rather than taking this uh, diagnosis capability and filtering immediately towards a knowledge base of, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. This is how you do it in this first pass, because it's a game of seconds and not a game of knowledge, you're, you're able to, uh, like you said, it's a process. You're able to identify what problems to do first to, in, to, to organize your time in a way that you're going to maximize the highest score possible in the minimum amount of time, leaving extra time for the ones that might be a little trickier. I mean, the way you're talking about it now, it makes it, 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 and I'm thinking about baseball more and I, I knew more about it in childhood, but, but it's making sense. It's like, yeah, you take that guy who could, you know, hit it, you know, all the time he could hit it every, every, anything he threw at him, he could hit it, but he just couldn't hit it out of the park. He just always hit it, you know, midfield or something. 
Yeah, you take you take that guy. That's like your guy who could answer every problem on the GRE. He just can't answer it within a time limit. You give him time, and he could do it. So basically, it's interesting because, like in baseball, you know, you could turn to steroids to pump up your muscles so you can hit it farther. Uh-huh. And in the GRE, but that's illegal. In the GRE, you could you could gamify the test to a point where you take the time limits and you make that the first filter of your focus. That's not illegal, but it gives you the same Stellar is entirely legal. Stellar (laughs) is the performance enhancing drug for for GRE test takers. And it's, uh, it's legal in all 50 States. So the bottom line is uh, shift your focus on the GRE, your first filter going through the test is one where you understand the rules of the game, namely the time limit, and you're focused on the different strategies that Stellar GRE can teach you about how to best navigate those time limits in order to get through everything and get your highest score. If, if your focus first is on that game of seconds rather than on a game of knowledge, uh, you'll, you have the tools to do much better. That's right, because if you can begin rehearsing that process earlier on in your prep, you're going to reinforce it to a greater extent. It's going to be more familiar. You'll have greater confidence. Uh, it'll be more accurate. So you'll, you, the benefits will redound to you earlier and more significantly. And there's many different ways that we approach this game of seconds in the stellar system. We've talked in previous episodes about offensive skipping, defensive skipping. We've talked about time bleeds, which absolutely have no place in your process. We've talked about continuous solving. So all of these are respecting the time limit, which is by far the most challenging aspect of this test and which most programs woefully ignore. That's awesome. So again, you've heard it here first, Stellar GRE, the steroids of the GRE (laughs) test prep. All right, thanks everybody. That's all we have time for today. We'll be back next week for another bite-sized episode of GRE Bites. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss on a future episode, let us know, stellargre at gmail.com. And whenever you're ready to take your prep to the next level, please check out our top-rated GRE self-study program at stellargre.com. You can use the code BITES if you want, for 10% off all memberships. Talk to you soon.